Hello and welcome to Taxed and Wasted by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. I'm Emilio Garcia, and uh, we're going to start off with a promise that Scott Morrison made that should give us a partial sigh of relief. So, over the past few months, we have heard kind of some rumblings of supposed proposed new taxes to help certain parts of Australia recover. So there was one proposed tax uh, that said that every Australian should pay a little bit more in taxes to help Victoria out of the absolute mess that they're in. Uh, luckily, that didn't gain much steam. Hopefully, it won't. Uh, and then recently, there was another push for a tax hike to help pay for aged care. And obviously, right now, regardless of what you think about just like as general policy, taxing people more to build up uh, aged care, new taxes during an economic recovery are always a bad thing. They will always naturally stifle the recovery, they'll stifle the ability of consumers to uh, spend their money, they'll stifle therefore the ability of businesses to grow and to recover and to start hiring again. It would just be a bad thing overall. And luckily, Scott Morrison said that there will be no uh, tax hikes, and that's good. Uh, but you know, the way that Emily Dye put it, uh, our policy director, and I think is, is correct, is she released a press release that said, uh, read my lips, no new taxes, which is a reference to uh, a, pres a U former US President Bush, who said early on in his campaign, read my lips, no new taxes, but then went off and actually <laughs> increased taxes by quite a bit. And what I'm trying to say here, the point I'm trying to get across is, it's good that right now the Prime Minister has said, no, we are not going to raise your taxes for this purpose, but we have to remain vigilant because politicians love taking your money, politicians love increasing your taxes. There really is nothing as permanent as a temporary tax increase. And so we really need to hold our politicians to account and make sure that this stays in place, that his word is kept. We need to keep the pressure on. So luckily, he said it won't happen. Let's make sure that it doesn't. Um, moving down to Victoria, uh, it seems that Melbourne's CBD is going to lose $110 billion, with a B, billion dollars in economic output because of the shutdowns. Uh, across the entire city of Melbourne, 79,000 jobs are set to be lost very soon. And this leads to the natural question, which everyone is rightfully asking, which is, is the treatment proving to be worse than the disease itself? Uh, as I've gone over several times, uh, Emily Dye, our policy director, and I ran the numbers, and it turns out that Victoria has a healthcare system that is not at risk of becoming overwhelmed anytime soon. It would require a 3,000% increase in cases from the peak of Victoria's cases, caseload, daily caseload, to overwhelm the healthcare system. Which means that from one day to another, we would need to see a nearly 3,000% increase in the number of daily coronavirus cases to come close to overwhelming the healthcare system. It's nearly impossible for that to happen. Yet, it seems that Victoria's current approach is to just shut down every basic normal way of life in the state until they reach some kind of normalcy. And this really isn't something, a premise that we should accept. The government should not have the ability to completely take away the right of its citizens to choose for themselves what risks they take. And 
one common retort that we're hearing is anyone who opposes the lockdowns is like, well, how many people are you willing to let die for your economy? And I think, first of all, reject the premise of that because you have to say, well, actually, we're not even accepting the premise that more people will die needlessly because we have a healthcare system that's well equipped to, to deal with many, many more cases than we're currently seeing, even at, at its worst uh, point. Uh, so we're not actually accepting that there's going to be huge amounts of people that will die as a result of reopening the, the economy in Melbourne. But what we are accepting is that we are going to see many bankruptcies, many broken families, uh, higher rates of depression, higher rates of suicide. All those things are already happening. So flip the question. It's like, we're not accepting that there will be more needless death. How many lives are you willing to see ruined to try to eliminate a virus? And by the way, elimination seems completely uh, off the table as a possibility. So that's something that I think we should keep in mind when it comes to Victoria and the way that they are botching their coronavirus defense uh, response. Uh, moving now to something that really just was so ridiculous. We, we put out a press release yesterday. So this will be, uh, this was Thursday for anyone watching now. Uh, <laughs> PETA, so the, the animal rights group, is looking to get some money from the government to put up some kind of memorial. The memorial is not for fallen soldiers. It is not for some uh, hero of the Republic or anything like that. It's for chickens. Uh, we, apparently, the, the, the taxpayer, uh, are being asked for money <laughs> to build a memorial for chickens who have been, you know, murdered for their uh, juicy, delicious uh, carcasses uh, to be enjoyed by humans. Now, <laughs> we put out a really funny press release. You should go and read it on taxpayers.org.au under the releases uh, section. And, you know, we were kind of mocking the idea because obviously it's, it's, it's incredibly ridiculous that anyone would think that, that taxpayers should pay for the memorial to murder chickens. Uh, What's a little bit less funny is that it might actually happen. You never know. Hopefully it won't. But uh, when I arrived in Australia, someone told me about something called air whale or... Uh, Brian, what was that called? The, the whale balloon? Sky whale. Okay, so sky whale. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. You're calling out to me about sky whale? Yeah. Skywell. <laughs> uh, that's our uh, executive director. Well, anyway, we paid for Skywell. It's a huge amount of money, and we didn't even keep it, right? It's not the it's not the property of the state. No, yeah, they, it's, screw, they screwed up the contract. So yeah, they screw up the contract. So basically, the person who made it now owns it. Yeah. It all around the world, but we paid and it's three hundred million dollars, something like that. Three, uh, I think it was about three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Thousand? Yeah. Okay, three hundred fifty thousand dollars for a, a big <laughs> whale with like six. Uh, let's keep it clean, like breasts uh, on it. And we paid a huge amount of money for that. So a, a taxpayer funded chicken memorial is actually not that much more ridiculous. So hopefully that won't happen, but it, it could, it might. Let's hope it doesn't. Um, <clears throat> moving on now to South Australia, there's a ban on single use plastics. And I see a lot of people uh, really applauding this, this ban because they're saying, well, you know, there's a big problem with the amount of trash that ends up in our oceans and in our landfills. 
and so we should really stop it. But this is actually <clears throat> exactly counter to the desire for a cleaner world. A lot of people think, well, the problem with single-use plastics is that they're just so common, you use so much of it, they all get thrown out after the first use. So by banning single-use plastics, then we're moving towards more reusable things, and these products then get used over and over again, thus lessening the impact to the environment. For this to be true, consumer behavior then has to change to only use reusables and to use the reusables several times. Problem is, as we've seen, these bans on single-use plastics have not actually changed consumer behavior. So when you banned, uh, when you banned plastic bags, for example, single-use plastic bags in supermarkets, the objective was, okay, well, people will just stop taking the bag, buying the bags, using the bags that there are in the supermarket, and they'll keep reusing the reusable bags, they'll get a tote bag, and basically, no plastic will be used. But it turns out, very few people are actually reusing their reusable bags. They're just buying the 15 cent bags every time they check out. And why is that a problem? Well, obviously these bags, these reusable bags, are way more harmful to the environment. So I'm just gonna give you a few statistics on reusable uh, products and, or more sustainable products, whatever you wanna call them, and their impact on the environment as compared to the single use. So one popular product is paper straws, which supposedly is just better than plastic straws for some reason, right? Well, a single paper straw has more or less 5.5 times more uh, of an impact on the environment because, you know, the paper has several, several processes that it has to undergo before it's usable. You know, you need to extract the pulp from the trees, you need to coat it, uh, you need to paint it, uh, you need to transport it. There's a lot of things that need to happen for that paper straw to ultimately be used, and it has more or less the impact of 5.5 plastic straws. So not great there. You feel so good about yourself for drinking out of like a, a little pencil-sized thing that starts getting mushed up as you drink your smoothie, and you say, well, you know, it's for the environment, but it's actually worse for the environment. Uh, so that's not a great idea. Uh, but the reusable bags at Kohl's, for example, you know how many times you'd have to use your reusable bag for it to not have an impact on the environment, for the impact of that bag to be reduced as compared to single-use products? You need to use it 37 times. Now ask yourself honestly, how many times have you reused the reusable bag that you got from Woolies or from Kohl's? For me, if I'm being honest, it's probably been four or five times just because I forget. A lot of the times when I go to the supermarket, just on my way to work, on my way back home from work, uh, it's not something that I plan out, and so I rarely have the chance to grab my re reusable bags. So you would have to use this, I mean, you have to use this 37 times, I would say that there are few people that have even reused it five times, let alone 10, let alone 30. Uh, how about a paper bag? Oh, paper bags, they're so much better for the environment, right? Decomposable, nope. You would need to use that 43 times before the impact of that bag is lesser than just using um, normal single-use plastic bags. And how about a cotton tote? Remember, these were really popular way back when, and they were really great for signaling how much of, it, of an environmentalist you are and how responsible you are, and you know, they had these cool designs on them. Okay, one cotton tote bag would need to be used 7,100 times before its impact on the environment is reduced 
to the point of, um, of actually helping by having all of those single-use bags not be used. So one cotton tote is the equivalent of 7,100 single-use plastic bags, basically. Do you ever think that you will be able to use your tote enough that you will uh, avoid using 7,100 single-use plastic bags? Probably not. So obviously this is misguided. Uh, the policymakers that implemented this are either short-sighted, they either didn't do their research, or they're just signaling and lying to you because they want to seem like they care, even though they know that the, if, that the effect of this will be detrimental to the environment. But this is something that should be reversed in the interest of the environment. It's, it's just not good for anybody. And finally, we're just going to close off the episode with, uh, I'm not going to touch this for too long. I did a video on Facebook's threat to eliminate all news content on its platform in Australia. You can see that on our Facebook and YouTube page. So I won't harp on it for too long. But because of the ACCC's regulations, ones that we have talked about several times on this podcast, uh, Facebook has said if the ACCC's big tech regulations are implemented, we're just not going to allow any news content of any kind on our platform in Australia. And <clears throat> this gets to a greater truth at the heart of over-regulating businesses, which is when you make it impossible for a business to run in your country, oftentimes they'll just not do it. In California, a judge passed a decree that said that Uber and Lyft, which is like Uber, had to treat its employees like, uh, its drivers like employees. And they decided they would just pull out of California altogether if that came to pass. They threatened to, uh, the judge uh, postponed that decision until the next election. Facebook, uh, Uber and Lyft are waiting to see what the result of that election is. But they're happy to pull out of California, and California is a market of 39 million people. That's more than the entire population of Australia. So if you have large global tech companies willing to pull out of bigger markets than ours simply to avoid these heavy, burdensome regulations, we should consider if we're willing to have businesses so burdened that they just choose to not give us their services. And we have to consider what is an internet going to look like where you can't share news on your social media accounts. It's bleak. It's not good. So we need to reform this and we need to stop um, regulating businesses out of existence. And on that note, we are going to say goodbye. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. You can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get the video version of the podcast on YouTube and Facebook. And if you haven't become a member already, please do so. You can do so on our website, taxpayers.org.au. This has been Taxed and Wasted by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. We'll see you next time.